Hello and welcome to The Flex. This is Matt St. Jean with Joe Howie. I'm back and the Friars are back in the Sweet 16 for the first time since 1997. Put together two really good wins in the last week here. The last one being a dominant victory over Richmond. They beat the Spiders 79-51 in a game that was hardly ever close. It's the largest margin of victory Providence has had since they beat Sacred Heart back in November, 28 points. And it's the largest margin of victory in the NCAA tournament in program history. So that that right there gives you an idea for how, how big of a win this was for the Friars, both in margin of victory and in how important it was for the program. Yeah, great, great introduction there, Matt. There's, there's no better way to, to understand the gravity of the importance of this win to the program than by looking at the margin of victory over the opponent. Um, what, what, a, what a historic day for, for Providence College men's basketball. Um, I mean, I know I'm, I'm still, I'm still in shock a little bit. I, I, at the beginning of the season, I always had faith in this team. I knew that we would be good and that it would be something special. Never in my, in my wildest dreams that I imagined that uh, on March 20th, 2022, we'd be headed to the sweet 16 with 27 wins under our belt. Um, this is something that's, you know, rather foreign to the Ed Cooley era of Providence College basketball. You know, he's had good teams, Bryce Cotton, Chris Dunn, that have made the tournament, but but never a team like this one. This is the first time they've advanced to the Sweet 16 under Ed Cooley. It's the first time in a quarter of a century that they've made it to the Sweet 16. So a, a lot of emotions for a, Friar, a young Friar fan like myself, like you. I'm sure a couple of more tenured Friar fans are um, – <laughs> Are that have been to the Sweet 16 with this team before are, are glowing, but what a night. Um, let's get into it. Yeah, you mentioned 27 wins. That is tied for the second most in program history in a season. The most that they've had in a season since joining the Big East. They had 27 wins back in 1972-73. They went to the Final Four that year. And they had 28 wins the following season, 73-74. They went to the Elite Eight. So, I mean, that's, that's the company the Friars are in. They had 25 wins back in 87, and then Ed Cooley's best season, 24 and 11, back in 2015-16. But yeah, this is just something special. Let's, let's dive into the game here. The Friars, like I said, got off to a hot start and never really looked back. They opened the floodgates right off the bat, and that was that was Al Durham from the start of this game. He came to play in the opening minutes. Yeah, uh, I think, you know, what's so important about this week, you know, South Dakota State and now Richmond has been the play of Al Durham. Um, you know, we'll get into Horkler because he deserves his moment. But let's talk about Al Durham and not even just this isolated week. Let's talk about Al Durham in postseason. Um, you go back to that Villanova game on March 1st at Villanova. There was there was a lot of back and forth over the, the, the Friar Twitter space over whether or not we should have sat Al Durham that game. We wound up losing by two after overcoming a 14-point second-half deficit at Villanova. A lot of people were talking about, you know, you like to have that win, win under your belt. It doesn't matter. You already won the Big East regular season title. This, that, and the other thing. At the end of the day, Al Durham sat that game. Could he have been a difference maker? Who knows? But sitting him for that game and giving him somewhere in the neighborhood of two weeks rest heading into the Big East tournament and the postseason 
was probably the smartest decision by the coaching staff uh, regarding any injury on the team in the past 10 years, because Al Durham looks like he did at the beginning of the season, scoring in a variety of ways, playing with confidence, pushing the ball with pace. Like this isn't the, the type of play that we've seen from him since honestly, mid to late November, early December. And that was yeah. really when he was in stride before the sports hernia kind of slowed him down. So you have to appreciate the moment for him. He's really picked it up the past two games. He's living under the bright lights of the NCAA tournament. And it's 100% because of the rest that was given to him the two weeks heading into the postseason. Now he's really looked like a different player the last few weeks. Scored eight of the team's first 10 points, knocked down two threes in the first three minutes. And then, like you said, no Horkler. He's kind of the, the story of this game. <laughs> he won the the them dudes. Is that the belt that they call it? Yeah, that the that dudes. dude. The that dude one and the uh, what's the rebounding one? <laughs> king king of the boards. King of the boards. He got both of those double double for him, and it started pretty much right after Durham. So Friars take a ten two lead. Richwood gets a couple points, and then Horkler with a three. Horkler with another three. Horkler with a jumper. Lots of points for him there. The next thing you know, Friars are up 21 to 8 before the 12 minute mark, before you hit the second media timeout. And the Horkler, I mean, he just poured it on all game. He had the stroke. They called him, somebody called him Torchler after the game. Somebody in the media, which coolly said he's going to be stealing that nickname. 16 points, 14 boards. That's dominance right there. And this is this is why you bring a guy like him into the program, a guy who has just a knack for finding the ball and a big man that can shoot. That's something the Friars have not always had in the past, but when you have it, it makes this offense dynamic. Not to mention, too, Matt, you talk about a big man that can shoot. Um, you know, I, I just think that's so intangible, especially when Manaya is hitting his threes, Bynum's hitting his threes, Durham's hitting his threes, and Reeves is, are hit, is hitting his threes. When you have four guys that are, you know, kind of a wing guard, wing forward role, and your two backcourt players are hitting their threes, and then your power forward can stretch the floor and hit threes too. It makes this team very difficult to guard. And that's what, um, I forget what Richmond's head coach's name is, but that's what he was talking about during one of those um, media timeouts when they pull the coach out of the huddle and they interview him for the commercial. By the way, I think that is so stupid. Like he's trying to, he's trying to coach up his team and he has to do an interview right now. Like, come on. But anyway, they're, they're talking to Richmond's head coach and he's saying, you know, we wanted to give them space, um, from beyond the arc because they normally don't hit those shots. Um, now it's a difficult adjustment for us because they are hitting those shots. And uh, I, I think, yes, that game plan works. Um, when you have a team like Richmond that is not as athletic as Providence, you don't want to guard too tightly because then, you know, you can get beat on the bounce by a lot of Providence, more athletic guys. When they're, when they're hitting and you're giving them space from beyond the arc, it's like, okay, what do you do now? You take the risk, the risk of getting torched uh, on the dribble drive or you give him space for the threes. And when Horkler hits his threes, you know, it, it makes this Providence offense a much more difficult scout because sure you can throw bodies in Nate Watson, but if you have five other guys, one of which is still on the bench who can hit a three, forget it. You, you don't know who to guard it. And we saw that on full display last night. Yeah. And you, you mentioned Watson. I don't think he had his best game today, but one of the areas where he looked really good, kicking out of the double teams. Something we've been talking about for years where he needed to, to get better. We've seen it this year, especially the last couple weeks. He's made some nice plays. He had a nice assist on, I believe it was an A.J. Reeves catch-and-shoot three in the corner. I, draws the double I know exactly what you're talking about. That was, that was beautiful to watch. That, that might have been one of the 
prettiest plays of the entire game. It was in the first half. Reeves is on the wing, right outside the perimeter on the right side. And he gives a nice little entry pass to Watson. Reeves' man immediately abandons him and goes into Watson. Watson doesn't even turn and look at the rim. He just dumps it back to Reeves. Reeves hits the three. It was the most unselfish play I've seen this entire season. Um, and, and you're right. You know, Nate didn't have his, his best game. Still scored in double figures, five of nine from the floor in only 19 minutes, four boards. Um, but, you know, I, th- th- this just goes back to the profile of this team. There's no egos, you know. Nate Watson in the post-game press conference, or not really the press conference, but in a post-game interview with John Fanta, the word team came out of his mouth probably 50 times. Um, and that's the point is this, these guys, these players, they don't care about individual performances. They don't care about, you know, draft lottery stock. They don't care about any individual egos. They don't care about, you know, who's putting up how many points it's a team effort. And this is what Cooley has been riding the whole season is that these guys play for the greater good and that's to win. These guys have a common goal in mind and that's to win. And if Nate Watson has a down night and the team wins by nearly 30 points, you think he cares that he had 10 points? No, his team's going to the sweet 16. That's what he cares about. And I think that it just embodies, he embodies the selflessness of this team. It starts at the top with him because you know, he's the team's leader. He's the oldest guy on the roster that was first recruited by Ed Cooley. So it's just, it's so amazing to watch, especially from young guys who in the name, image and likeness area, you know, you, you can see, very, very easily how college athletes can become self-engrossed in themselves and their personal brand, not this team. This team, it plays for one another. They play for each other. Yeah, you said it. Yeah, I couldn't have said it any better than that, Joe. You talk about winning, too. I mean, this team led this game from wire to wire. They led for 39 minutes and 19 seconds against Richmond. Full team effort to do something like that. Probably the best game that they have played all season long. That's what Cooley said after the game. And, I mean, for as good as Watson was, Ed Crosswell, he didn't put up the point totals, but he was pivotal in this game. He had some big yeah. rebounds. He had two offensive rebounds. And, and there was kind of a stretch in the first half where they stopped shooting the three. They were trying to get the ball inside. It wasn't quite working. Things slowed down. And Crosswell was a big reason why the offense was functioning during that time, why they were able to keep Richmond from coming back. This is a Richmond team that's very comfortable pulling a comeback if needed. They've done it a lot in the last couple of weeks. And they knew, all right, we got we to gotta keep the foot on the gas. And they found ways to do it. I mean, everybody contributed. Just going through the box court here, Horkler, 16 points. Durham, 13 points. Reeves, 12 points, five assists for him. Watson, nice. 10 points, four boards. Bynum, 10 points, five assists. And then Crosswell, six points, five boards. Benaya, sorry, he, he, there's also him in here. Nine points. He had three boards and two assists. And we had, Manai had an offensive rebound. Horkler had one. Watson had one. And then Croswell had two. And just getting those extra chances. I mean, they had, they had 14 second chance points in this game. <laughs> that's, that's really, really good. Um, and I think it's so um, important, too, to note that of our top, we'll call it six or seven guys, Five of them scored in double figures. The sixth being Manaya, score of nine. Uh, like, this is something that, you know, we've been talking about since this pre-Big East tournament press conference that was held at the Ruane Fryer Development Center when A.J. Reeves said, 
you know, you guys haven't seen us when we're all on yet. You know, one guy will pick up the slack here. One guy will pick up the slack here. Imagine a game when all of us are on and everyone's firing on all cylinders. He said it again in the post game press conference last night. You know, this was the, op- this was it. This was when everyone was on. And if it's a 30 point route over a, a really good Richmond team, Hey, I'll take it, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's the point too. You're getting contributions across the board. It's not Watson, Duncan home, 35 points. It's not Reeves spraying in seven threes. It's a little bit of everybody being on. And if that's Mania playing great defense and still contributing nine points offensively, so be it. This was the most well-rounded and complete performance offensively and defensively I've seen from this team this season. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. This is this is the best this team has played. Reeves said after the game that when the team he said, quote, when we play like this, I feel like we're the best team in the country. And you know what? He's correct. We're going to find out how true that is on Friday when this team gets Kansas, a number one seed. They can play like this. We're going to find out exactly how true that statement is because that's a tough team to go against. But what a game here. I think in a lot of ways, I mean, I was nervous with this game, even when the Friars had a lead because we've seen what's happened in the past, especially go back to that USC game, our freshman year playing game, blowing a lead and, I don't know. It's March Madness. They call it Madness for a reason. We just watched Baylor come back from down 25 points against UNC earlier today. We know Richmond could pull comebacks. I wasn't really comfortable watching this game until uh, I said, not until this gets to 30. <laughs> kind of joking. Yeah. And then Bynum just drilled that three from deep to make it, I think it was 71-41 at that point. Yep. And that was just like, yep. that, that was the moment you knew, okay, this is, this is it. We're doing this. We're going to the Sweet 16. Yeah. Um, I was kind of in the same boat, Matt. Um, you texted me at halftime that you were terrified. Um, <laughs> that, Which, of course, made me terrified because it gave me flashbacks to when Providence played USC in the first four freshman year, like you had mentioned. And, um, uh, I just – it's just, you know, the, the history of this program sometimes leaves some scars with you. Um some, you see some great first halves that are blown up by terrible second halves. This team, no, not the case. Um, and you're right. Once it got to 30, the reality started to slowly creep up on us. I'm like, okay, this team's going to the Sweet 16. This is something that has been anticipated for this Providence program since the 2017-2018 season. Um, when Rodney Bullock declared that he was not leaving for the draft. Jalen Lindsay, Kyron Cartwright, Emmett Holt, all those guys were coming back. A lot of preseason analysts had predicted Providence to make the Sweet 16. Um, they barely made it past Texas Tech in the first round. In fact, they lost to Texas Tech. Um, so, you, you know, that you was Texas, le- Texas A&M? Texas, Texas A&M. I'm getting my seasons confused. But that team... <laughs> That team struggled against Texas A&M. Um, the following year was a rebuilding year. You know, you had really no true point guard, a, a lot of young faces. That team was an NIT team, which technically is a postseason tournament. No one really gives a shit about the NIT. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Sorry, young, younger, sorry, younger listeners, but no one really cares about the NIT. The yeah, next I'm sorry, year, I'm sorry. I'm terror- sorry we're using vulgar language on here, like NIT. We really need to censor words like that. <laughs> Use the bleep button every time I say NIT. Um, I'm going to have to do it again. Now. Come on, Joe. <laughs> sorry, sorry, NIT. Um, and then, you know, the 2019-2020 season, that was a team 
again, similar to that second, that senior year Kyron Cartwright team, that team had had a high ceiling returning Alpha Diallo, David Duke, Watson Reeves, Malik White, grad transfer, Lawan Pipkins, Khalif Young, all those guys um, got off to a terrible start. They were able to rattle off 12 Big East Conference wins to only have the rug pulled out from under you for, for the NCAA tournament by COVID. Fast forward next year, you have two of the best players in the league and David Duke and Nate Watson, but it stopped there. That team was super top heavy. And the result was a 13-13 finish with no postseason tournament berth whatsoever. That includes the NIT, the CBIT, and all those other um, you didn't make it <laughs> consolation brackets. But so essentially we're looking at a three-year drought for the NCAA tournament from the Providence Friars with high expectations for that 2019-2020 team with high expectations with that 2020-2021 team. So to to see this team, the team that was picked seventh in the Big East preseason polls, to see the team that's been dubbed as lucky the entire season, to see this team that no one really respects, the team that was supposed to lose to the 13th seeded South Dakota State Jackrabbits, to see this team advance to the Sweet 16 comfortably over a Richmond squad that just upset the Big Ten tournament champions, it's refreshing. It's intrinsically as a fan, it feels great externally to kind of prove it to all the haters feels even better, you know? And uh, you listen to this team talk about it. They have uh, no intention of ending things here either. They still, I mean, they're going to feel pissed off the next week because they're not going to be favored to beat Kansas. I'm sure this motivation is going to keep going. Ed cool is going to keep feeding them all this stuff. Because, I mean, at this point, it doesn't really matter what the media says about the next game, too. You've been hearing it all season. What happens the next week? Who cares? Uh, you saw yeah. A.J. Reeves. Uh, he said it was a video from Jeff Goodman where it was during the game. Reeves looks over to who I'm assuming he saw Goodman recording and said it. Or might have been talking to a fan. I'm not sure. But said something about how Sweet 16, you think this is luck? <laughs> yeah. I, 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 fantastic yeah. moment. That video definitely gave me a chuckle. I, it doesn't look like he's looking at Goodman unless it's not Goodman recording because he's not looking directly at the camera. But regardless, someone on uh, on the court side sideline seats said something to him about luck. He goes, sweet 16? Come on, bro. That's not luck. Like, And he's right. It takes a, a lot of guts and grit to make the sweet 16. Look at St. Peter's. You know, the, the, Sure, you can say St. Peter's was lucky to beat Kentucky, but to beat Murray State by 10 points... I mean, talk. That's momentum. That's not luck. Yeah. It's, it's that's peacocks. momentum. I, I just I don't want to get the peacocks in the championship. Just keep me away from them. <laughs> oh my oh, goodness! Yeah, we also we got to talk about the way this defense has played the last two games. Held both oh, Richmond and South Dakota State to season low point totals: fifty-one points from Richmond, fifty-seven from South Dakota State. The Spiders hit one three-pointer. They're one of twenty-two. I don't know. This is a team that can be inconsistent. It's why they're a 12 seed. It's why they had to win their conference tournament to make it. But man, stifling performance. Gilliard really couldn't get anything going. Thought the team played him really well defensively. I, th- I thought the fact that he was smaller really showed up all game long. And he took seven of the team's threes. And just nobody was able to step up around him and knock one down except for Burton. Burton knocked in one. KO had 18 points. Golden had 10 points. That's about it for the bright spots from Richmond in this game. They, they ran out of energy and they were 
overwhelmed last night. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of talk about the offense for this game, and rightfully so, because it was firing on all cylinders. But you can't talk about the offense if you don't talk about the defense. Um, holding the Richmond Spiders to 51 points is outstanding. Holding the South Dakota State Jackrabbits to 57 points, which is in the neighborhood of 30 points below their season average, is even more outstanding. Um, and I just think that's a testament to the culture of this team. And that's something that was uh, talked about a lot in the media this week, too, by Ed Cooley, is this is a culture test. You know, we're going to play a couple of high-scoring teams, teams that like to push the pace, teams that like to make you uncomfortable. Our culture is tough, gritty defensive basketball. You know, the offense will come. And that, that's this is something I've been saying since the inception of this podcast is that good defense leads to better offense. And if you want to look at a case study for that, look at last night, you held Richmond to 51 points and you put up 79 points yourself. Good defense leads to better offense because when you get a defensive stop, when you get that uh, defensive rebound, you're playing, you know, with a little bit of an increased energy level after that, you're like, all right, they're not scoring. Let's go down. Let's go. Let's come. Let's pad this lead a little more. Um, and you get I to just, play in transition too. Yep. Huge. It, it's just, it's so important that, you know, for a game like that, that your defense is on fire to, to just to supplement your offense. Um, really, really, really special. Yeah. And they're going to have their hands full with a Kansas offense. That's one of the best in the country on a Friday. This is a team that not only scores a lot, they do it against the highest level of competition. The top 25, they score almost 80 points a game. So they'll have their hands full, but that's Friday's problem. Friars are, are in the Sweet yeah. 16. That alone is historic. It's what we've wanted yeah. from this team for the longest time. And not only to do it, but to put together a game like this on this stage is just, I mean, this is against what we've wanted from the team all year long, too. This is all those games when you go back to November, December, when you're playing the St. Peter's of the world, or you're playing Fairfield, you're playing Sacred Heart. The Friars played good games and won. But they never looked dominant. They never really put the teams away. They did it with Fairfield. The other games never really put the team away. Games were kind of hanging around. And it was like, all right, we got the win. But I think there was a certain amount of question marks around, all right, can they keep this up against better teams? Obviously, they kept winning against better teams. But the games were close. This was good to be like, all right, not only are we going to win, but we're putting it all together at the same time. We're blowing you out. And that's just... It's a cherry on top for this season to win a game like that this dominantly. We haven't had a lot of those. A comfortable game to the Sweet 16. I mean, are you kidding me? I can't. I mean, yeah. I can't believe it. You know what? I, I want to build on that too, Matt. Um, of course, you know, with a win like this over an Atlanta, a middle of the pack A10 team like the Richmond Spiders over South Dakota State out of Summit League, there's a lot of talk about, you know, Providence getting an easy path to the Sweet 16, you know, Providence drew a lucky draw with those two. And to be completely honest with you, yes, it's a 13 seed and a 12 seed, but there are 300 and something teams in college basketball division one, the top 68 get to go to this tournament. It's not like we're playing like the 357th worst team in the country in the Richmond spiders. This is a Richmond spiders team that fired off a win streak to, to make it to the Atlantic 10 tournament and then win the Atlantic 10 tournament. And then, coupled that with a win over the big 10 tournament champion, Iowa, 
You know, this is a talented Richmond squad that has been playing from behind, overcoming second half deficits to win. Now, and fast hey, rewind. Yeah. This is a set. So go ahead. Hey, I'm just, they're a 12 seed. And that's, a, we, we've seen Big East teams struggle with 12 seeds this year. So. Yeah. Yeah. Look at <laughs> UConn. It's here. It's here, Danny Hurley. And now it's, it's gone and the season's over for you guys. This is um, how you beat a 12 seed. <laughs> yeah, this is how you do it. And then for the 13th seeded South Dakota State Jackrabbits, you know, that everyone's saying, like, now the narrative is flipped, you know. It, it was, oh, South Dakota State's going to upset Providence. South Dakota State's going to upset Providence. Best three-point shooting team in the country. Highly efficient offense. This, that, the other thing. Baylor Shireman, all that good stuff. Now it's, oh, Providence beat the 13th seed. That's what you're supposed to do. Providence escaped the 13th seed. We beat them by nine. And we held them to 30 points below their season average. So, Yes, that's a very they good led, team. And they led for 32, 33 minutes of that game. <laughs> yeah, so let, let's let's take let's let's hit the gap. Let's hit the brakes here on ripping on the the path to the Sweet Sixteen because we just beat two very talented teams. Um, and the and the other thing is too, you get to play a team from the Summit League in the first round because you did what you did in the regular season. You you earned right that path the reason that we didn't have to go through baylor to get to the sweet 16 is because we actually took care of business it wasn't unc or we didn't know until the last week if we were going to be making the tournament or not where it took one big win at the end of the season we had our big wins i mean we we pretty much were a lock for the tournament in mid-february yeah and that's what ed cooley said too in a lot of these postseason press conferences and even after the big east tournament when we got curb stomped by Creighton. You know, Cooley said uh, he felt, you know, rejoiced that we're not sweating on, we don't have to sweat out Selection Sunday. Like Providence's biggest problem on Selection Sunday was wondering where we were going to be seated because we didn't know if we were on the five line or the four line. And that's it. You know, for the first time in Ed Cooley's tenure as a head coach, we comfortably made the tournament. So, yes, you're absolutely right, Matt. We took care of business we earned a first round matchup against a team from the summit league. And if you have a problem with that, take it up with the selection committee, because that's the way it works. You take care of business in the regular season. You earn a higher seed. You get, uh, and I won't say an easier opponent, but you get, you don't get the Baylor's or the Kansas's or the Gonzaga's of the world. You get to avoid a a power conference team. And you get to avoid, you you make sure you don't have to play a top two seed until the, the second weekend. That's the advantage you get by being a really good team in the regular season. And that's what Providence was all year long. What, in four regular season losses? That's an accomplishment. Yeah, it really is, Matt. This team has done something special. I mean, I'm not going to forget this, how, how well this team has played this year. You look at the way these guys gel and how much fun they have hanging out with each other. And it's special. It is just, you don't get teams like this this often. <laughs> no, um, you, you really don't. And I think too, and I'll make, I'll make this as one of my final points. I know we're, we're going long here. Um, just you think about the profile of this team. There's no Chris Dunn's. There's no Bryce Cotton's. There's no David Dukes. There, there's no um, extreme NBA prospect players on this team. I mean, you can make the argument that Nate Watson is one of those players, but not the way that these other guys have been in the past where it's the Chris Dunn show. It's the David Duke show. It is the Bryce Cotton show, the Marshawn Brooks show, the, 
you know, it's not one of those years where it's like you have a headline banner player and that's who everyone is worried about. This is a full rounded team. Um, and that's why this team is doing what they're doing. That's why this run is so special. They're not being led by one standout stud that has NBA aspirations. They're being led by five or six, you know, older guys that have been through the ringer of college basketball and know how to win games. Um, so I, I just think that's the, it, that's what makes this run super special. That's what makes, you know, uh, John Rothstein coins this the team of destiny. You know, th- that's what makes this so special for Ed Cooley. Um, because he's never been that guy. He's never been that, that banner, that, that billboard guy, Ed Cooley, you know, he's not the Jay Wright. He's not uh, a Sean Miller. He's not uh, a Mark few. He's Ed Cooley. And, you know, the story behind him growing up in the streets of Providence and to where he's come now, it's, it's magical. And, you know, it's complete, this team has taken on his identity. So for Friar fans, you know, just soak up this moment. Um, this is something that, you know, we've been thirsty for, for, for quite some time. Soak up the moment, enjoy the week. Um, hopefully, you know, the players took the time to enjoy the win last night and to sit in the moment, but we also got to take care of business on Friday. So, from a fan's perspective, enjoy it, soak it up, because who knows the next time we'll be advancing to the Sweet 16. Yeah, yeah this doesn't come around that often. Like you said, I mean, you, you said it perfectly. Soak it up, enjoy it. Friars, Friars will play again on Friday, Sweet 16 against Kansas. First meeting between the two programs ever. That game will be out in Chicago. Uh, so we're still awaiting a time for the game. I think we're going to find that out Sunday night after the game is wrap up. That's, I mean, that's the only game on the schedule right now for the Friars. There's nothing else. Win that one to keep playing. And it's going to be a tough one. It's number one seed Kansas. So we'll see what happens. We're going to have a, a podcast for you to preview that one. Now that, now that I'm finally feeling better, uh, I'm up out yeah. of bed. I'm, I'm able to record. I don't have to cough anymore. I'm able to actually sleep. So we're good there. Well, I have something for you. I think we're talking about possibly doing a Twitter space. I think there's been interest in that. I have one of those this week. So we'll definitely have to get you those. Uh, stay stay with us for that. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at the Flex Hoops. Follow our personal accounts. Subscribe wherever you're listening to this. I mean, we're in the Sweet 16. I think that's a five star team. The belief that makes us a five star podcast as well. But as of this moment, we're the only Big East team in the Sweet 16. We'll see what happens to Villanova later today. But hey, go give us that five star rating. Don't be a don't be a spider. Don't be a jackrabbit. And leave us zero stars. Be, be a friar. Leave us five stars. This is the only podcast out there giving you uh, giving you episodes for every game. Joe, thank you for stepping up with me, uh, feeling under the weather, and shout out to Jack Riccio for stepping on too. We're giving you coverage for every game. You don't want to miss it. You want to be here for it all. Friars in the Sweet Sixteen. Joe, I think uh, I think that's it for us. Any anything else from you before we uh, before we wrap up here? Spiders skeeve me out. That's my last comment. <laughs> they certainly are creepy. Not my, not my favorite animal. Definitely not my favorite animal. Friars beat the spider seventy nine fifty one. Advance into the sweet sixteen. We'll talk to you later this week. For Joe Howie, I am Matt Saint Jean. Thank you for listening. Go Friars.